Today on Season 4, Episode 12 of the Unknown Packers Podcast, after a month-long hiatus, Bryce and Ken are back to talk Green Bay Packers football with you. It's been weeks of training camp, three preseason games, and finally it's cut-down day for the Packers. We dedicate this entire episode to the position battles that ultimately lead to the final 53. We have some similarities, some disagreements, some surprises, and some fun. How do our picks match up with yours? Listen in and find out. And now it's time for 53 on tap. so much for following the Unknown Packers podcast. Touchdown! Dagger! Al Harris, 56 yards to a game-winning touchdown! Green Bay Packers! Go back, go! Winning isn't everything, but it's the only thing. Green and yellow, green and yellow, green and yellow, green and yellow, yellow. Unknown Packers podcast. Green and yellow, green and yellow, green and yellow, green and yellow. And let me tell you this, Green Bay is a great town. And welcome to the Unknown Packers Podcast. For you heard it, 53 on tap from the soothing, sexy sounds of our producer and co-founder, Neebles. Hope you enjoyed the introduction and so thrilled to be back here recording with an episode with you all. And how great to be back here talking about the Packers 53-man roster, which is set to be unveiled on Tuesday. So we are recording here on a Monday. We will have this episode released before the Packers announced their 53-man roster on Tuesday, August 31st. But myself and big bad Ken Ingles are going to go through our predictions of the 53-man roster. We've got offense in the first half. We've got defense in the second half. And then we'll wrap up with a really fascinating, intriguing, and a very applicable fan question. And then we've got a couple other fan questions that we're going to embed in here throughout this recording. So, Ken, take it away with the quarterback position. With the quarterback, okay. So, I don't think there's too much of a surprise here. I don't think there's too much of debate. I got our man, MVP Aaron Rodgers, and the heir apparent Jordan Love Mm. making the squad. Only two quarterbacks. I don't see a way in today's NFL, unless you have a developmental situation like we had last year, where a third quarterback makes sense. The new practice squad rules are in place to where you can elevate to kind of an emergency quarterback if you need to um, during the week and not have to worry about clearing waivers. So I think the Packers' plan is a, you know try and stash away Kurt Benker mm-hmm. or find another find another arm. Um, you know, there, there's been a few quarterbacks in and out of this roster, I think, who could be that QB3 on the practice squad this year. What are your thoughts? Well, right off the bat, even though we haven't recorded in several weeks, we are clicking and firing on all cylinders. I also have two quarterbacks uh, that will be kept on our, on my 53-man roster prediction. I have MVP Aaron Rodgers. Who knows? Last dance, last hurrah. He thought that last year back for another year. We'll focus on this year. We'll talk about next year at a later date. And I also have the heir apparent, uh, Jordan Love. It was really great to see him in preseason. Excited to see he got a lot of uh, opportunities and reps, and you got to see him showcase uh, a lot of the skills that made him a first-round draft pick. I I sort of struggled on this, um, thinking about 
keeping three, but just like you said, I find it very hard that the Packers will keep three based off of all these other positional battles and uh, these tough decisions to cut down to 53. Maybe they sneak uh, Kurt Benkert onto the practice squad. I got a feeling that he'll probably get plucked away. Keep in mind, though, he's also 26 years old. He's been a four-year player in the NFL, and he's bounced around. Any team had the opportunity to snag him during the offseason, the Packers did. So it's I know that there might be people that compare it to Taysom Hill. Kurt Benkert is a player. In all reality, he should be on the 53-man roster. Uh, maybe in other training camps he would be. But uh, with this one, with Love and Rodgers, I, I just can't see Kurt Benkert making uh, the 53-man roster. But based off of performance alone, he deserves to be there. I just don't think that's the way the cards are going to fall this time. I agree. I agree. I think the skills there, I think the talent's there. You've seen that. Yeah, it's just the way the rules and the roster kind of construction lends itself these days. It's just so easy to have that third quarterback on the practice squad to be able to move them up and down very quickly and easily without having to worry about mm-hmm. those in-season waivers. And I just, I can't see a scenario where it's going to be too popular to carry, you know, three quarterbacks on a roster. Obviously, last year was special, mm-hmm. right? Jordan Love. COVID. It was de facto, yeah, COVID, redshirt season never had really any off-season work whatsoever, and they weren't going to cut him. <laughs> he had a fully guaranteed contract. Right. Uh, so he was just kind of the stash redshirt de facto. I, I still believe that uh, last year had their COVID not been a thing, that Jordan Love would have been a QB2 on this roster last year. Yeah, um, I agree with With only you. two quarterbacks, but, you know, the past is the past. Yeah, it sucks. Kurt Benkert is loved by Packer fans. He was sort of a training camp folk hero Um, definitely deserves to be on an NFL roster somewhere. Maybe we can sneak him on the practice squad. We shall see. But moving on, um, and we also addressed a fan question there. uh, Do you keep uh, Kurt Benkert? uh, How many quarterbacks do you keep? And so each of us have two. But moving on to the running back position, I'll take it away. Uh, I've got three. I've got Aaron Jones. I've got A.J. Dillon. And I've got seventh-round rookie Kylan Hill. Uh, There was talk about a positional battle group with Patrick Taylor and Dexter Williams and Kylan Hill, and almost automatically within training camp and preseason, you saw Kylan Hill extend himself uh, into that discussion. I cannot believe that he fell to the seventh round. Packers have a gadget, explosive type of player. Excited to see what he can bring to this uh, running back group, but man, they're deep at running back, and he's not just going to be this placeholder. I think he's going to see the field. Right, yeah. This, this is a very interesting dynamic group of um, running backs. I've got the same three with Jones, Dylan, and Hill. And to your point, I was expecting that running back kind of controversy battle You know, for who is going to be that number three, maybe a number four on this roster. You mentioned a guy like Patrick Taylor, who I was really high right. on, and I had him back in like June, my way too early 53-man roster I'd put out on Twitter. I had him kind of as my my dark horse hope to make the 53 base of what he was able to do um, in the past, unfortunately. You know, well, unfortunately for him, but fortunately for us and Packers fans and for the team, Kylan Hill just made a name for mm-hmm. himself. You know, there wasn't a controversy. It was pretty much week one. You saw what he could do right. when the lights turned on, and he just separated himself from the pack. You know, Dexter Williams was hanging around for a little bit as well. I could see a scenario where maybe they keep a fourth running back and maybe Dexter gets that nod. Mm, interesting. Um, I think that they would, he'd probably be a priority 
uh, to try and sneak onto the practice squad as well as Patrick Taylor, mm-hmm. maybe one or both of those guys. But I'm excited to see this from a seventh round pick. That this is exactly what you're hoping for. It's like a you're looking for a diamond in a rough, a lottery ticket. And so far, it's looking like that ticket's going to pay off with Hill. And we'll talk about this throughout this episode. But it is pretty impressive to look at this year's draft class, and you're looking at possible immediate contributors to every single draft pick selection. Uh, Gutekunst has really done a great job of assembling this roster. This might be his best draft class yet. And um, Kylan Hill is the first rookie that we recognize that is going to make this 53-man roster and also contribute. Uh, The sky's the limit with this uh, running back group. And it's crazy to think that we brought Aaron Jones back. I wasn't preparing for that. I, I sort of accepted the fact that he would go get paid elsewhere and now that he's a part Mm -hmm. of this and you have A.J. Dillon who gets not really a redshirt year but gets another opportunity to take that next step that one-two punch and then also Kylan Hill he's not going to be that he's not just going to suit up and wait on the sidelines he's going to contribute and I'm enamored with all the possibilities of what they can do with Kylan Hill Aaron uh, Jones and A.J. Dillon all on that football field right to echo what you said with Jones, I, you know, there was no secret in the offseason. I didn't, I wasn't expecting to see Aaron Jones back. I don't think many fans expected um, the Packers to be doing this very all in move that they are for 2021. It's very clear that they're putting all their chips in the center of the table mm-hmm. this year with what bringing, you know, trying to bring the whole squad back together, pushing out cap issues kind of down the road and saying, okay, let's do it. We got one more year potentially with a last dance type scenario, maybe in the works. And so don't get me wrong. I don't, I didn't expect Aaron Jones to come back, but man, I am damn happy to see him wearing the green and gold this year and not someone else's, I, you know, rather have him playing for, for the Packers and for another team against us, but a very pleasant surprise and glad to see him on top of the depth chart for both of us. And just to think like, what is his production going to be like now that he's guaranteed in green Bay, he's got this massive contract. Uh, He just seems like a type of player that's not going to take breaks and slough off because he got paid. I think he's going to go out there and prove that he was worth every penny. Exciting time for this running back group. And it wasn't too long ago where we were really desperately looking for just all running back. And now we've got a stacked running back core um, in a very young one. One, nonetheless but and what's nice uh, one last thought here is all three of those gentlemen are signed for the foreseeable future um, at least three more years on each of those guys so to your point we've been searching for a running back room and some consistency and some playmakers and it looks like we've got a good three right now and they're locked up for a bit incredible to see the imprint to brian gutekunst and coach lafleur now coach lafleur entering his third year you're really starting to see what he values and what he's going to put out there they've got the playmakers now can't wait for this season to start and see what lafleur's got cooking and speaking of playmakers the wide receiver position take it away are you going to keep 10 is this the year that oh, you keep 10? <laughs> no, 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 not 10. Um, originally, I had seven. Mm-hmm. I thought Funchy Bunch was going to be able to find a way to stick around on this team. But, uh, what a bad break. He landed on he landed on injury reserve, and the Packers quickly uh, gave him an injury settlement. Mm-hmm. So now he's a free agent, can go anywhere. That said, I've got him keeping six, and I don't think these names should be too big of a surprise to anyone listening. At the top, you got Devontae Adams, MVS, Alan Lazard, you got some newcomers this year with Randall Cobb, kind of a newcomer. <laughs> he's making his, you know, 
his comeback tour in, through Green Bay. <laughs> um, Amari Rogers, yep. Rogers number eight, I like to call him. And then Malik Taylor. Um, I had him on my 53 way back when in June. I I like his game. I like what he can bring, and he's a special teams dynamo. And I thought, like I said, that there was a, a point where they would potentially be forced to keep seven just to keep Malik Taylor on this mm-hmm. roster for what he can do, not just on the field, on offense. Um, he would lead the... He led all the NFL in receiving yards mm-hmm. um, in the preseason this year, which is kind of crazy to think about. But uh, what he can do on special teams, I thought they would have to keep him around when if they were going to go seven. So obviously, if they're going to go six, I, obviously Malik Taylor's the the last name on this list. You know, I think gone are the days where you can consider seven or eight wide receivers on this offense. Um, I know it's if you go to the Packers' official depth chart on their website. You know their starting lineup has two tight ends, mm-hmm. which is kind of an interesting way of looking at it. You know we're seeing this Matt Lafleur offense where it's going to be more running backs, more H backs, more tight ends being used than what we you know have seen in previous regimes under McCarthy, where it was five wide, beat your man one on ones. And so I think I think overall there's less room, but I think this is a very talented room of wide receivers for this year. Again, another not too long ago, we were wondering what the depth chart, what the positional group would look like outside of Adams, and it's slowly turning into a very stout positional group. I've also got six, and the same six that you mentioned. I did have Funchy Bunch originally, but with the whole injury and then the the injury settlement, um, that made that pretty clear. I thought Equinemius St. Brown, this was his training camp, and he just seems that he can't get over that hump. He's got a nagging hamstring injury. It's too bad. A guy that I thought uh, could be a great slot wide receiver, I thought he had a role within this offense. Uh, but the best sort of resource is availability, and he has shown that he's not been available, unfortunately. So I, I couldn't go there. Um, Juwan Winfrey was my sort of darling from last year. Also, this year we talked about it in the the preseason or the pre-training camp episode that I thought Juwan Winfrey was going to be that sleeper breakout. I just don't see him. He, he hasn't shown. He's also not been available as well. So I can't see him making it. But with Malik Taylor, that might be like the surprise. You know, he made it last year. Uh, but like you said, he led all NFL players in receiving yards during the 2021 preseason with 185 yards. The thing that really impresses me is the contested catches. He had five of them. Mm-hmm. He created 11 first downs, according to Pro Football Focus. He played in the slot, played also uh, out wide as well. Three of his catches were on passes over 20 yards. Um, and like I mentioned, all all three of those were contested. And then when you're looking at, oh, you know, he's a six wide receiver. He's not going up against much competition. But uh, the last preseason game against the Buffalo Bills, he beat Tredavious White, who's a pro bowler, for a first down catch. So I think he's got the the skills also to contribute on this team. Uh, definitely deserving, and I'm excited to see that we get another go at Emily Taylor. But I've got six wide receivers. And I also right. wanted to mention that gone are the days of where you have, hey, you have your wide outs, uh, Go long, <laughs> um, backyard bat or backyard football. You know, it, this year or in the last three years, you're seeing Coach Lafleur, where he's designed the mad scientist from Shanahan, designing a lot of these plays to get players open or lead players to open spots in the in the football field. I'm excited to see what this wide receiver group does. We'll also talk about tight end, but they're they're potent on offense. It's exciting to see. Yeah. 
One uh, one last comment on wide receiver. So I know you know we both said that we're excited to see what this group can do this year. Um, of course, me being who I am, I can't help but look into the future years. Mm-hmm. And with the six names that we listed, only two of those guys are under contract next season as of this episode. That's uh, Randall Cobb and Amari Rogers. And hmm. I don't, you know, hate to break it to you, I don't like Randall Cobb's chances of sticking around next season, right. especially if his buddy Rogers um, is potentially on his way mm-hmm. out. So that just leaves Amari Rogers. Packers have a lot of work to do long term with this position. Interesting. Malik Taylor is one of those names that, you know, he's young and he's controllable. And I believe he'll be an exclusive rights guy that they can maybe bring back. Lazard is going to be a restricted free agent where they have the ability to bring him back, but it's going to cost them a little bit extra than what they've had him for in the past, which was like dirt cheap. Mm-hmm. But Devontae Adams and MVS, man. Um, those two could command a lot of money and it'll be very interesting to see what the Packers are going to be able to do at the top of the step chart next year. But we're focusing on this year, but it's just one of those comments that, you know, when we're talking about fast forward a few months and we're looking about team needs and draft already. Wow. That wide receiver conversation we had this year is only going to intensify up, uh, several levels of magnitude for next season. Well, and that's why we bring you on, or that's not the only reason we have you on, but that salary cap perspective is something that's so unique and so needed too when you're making these predictions and you're also looking moving forward. This sort of solidifies again the whole last dance move and conversations for future Ken and future Bryce for the Unknown Packers podcast in the offseason for sure. Um, as we wrap up the first half, still talking about the offense, we're going to talk about tight end and offensive linemen. Like I said, in the second half, we'll talk defense and wrap up with a fan question. But for tight end, I've got four. I've got Robert Tunyon, the Sycamore, Mercedes Lewis, Big Dog, Josiah DeGuara, and Dominique Daphne at four. And then I've got Jay Sternberger, who's suspended. I know that we talked about it before where you just cut ties with him. I still think that, that he's got an opportunity to kind of show what he could provide to this team. But, man, he's getting on thin ice. He just has little hiccups here and there, also being suspended. But I do not see Jay Sternberger being cut, um, even though I did entertain that earlier in training camp. But I have four tight ends that are being kept. I got the same four, Tunyon, Lewis, Degora, Daphne. Sternberger being, yeah, he's going to start the year on the suspended list. I think that's his saving grace, honestly. Mm-hmm. I think he was definitely at risk for being cut. You look at the depth chart. I thought that he was kind of that number five option or tied maybe with four with maybe a Daphne. And then Zach Cruz had an interesting take saying like, he doesn't, Sternberger doesn't do anything exceptionally well. Mm -hmm. He's like pretty good at some things and pretty bad at other things. And that's for a former third round pick going into what his third year now, mm-hmm. um, you know, the, the potential conversation starts getting a little iffy. I think him landing on the suspended list for the first two games is actually a blessing in disguise for him because I think he was uh, vulnerable to a cut. But now if there's a need, you know, uh, God forbid an, an injury may happen somewhere on this roster where they need another weapon on offense, m- you know, they can bring, bring him back starting week three. Otherwise... I would not be surprised in the least to see um, the Packers cut ties oh, right. uh, when he comes off that suspension mm. list. Yeah, that's going to be interesting, too. I, I know that he doesn't bring much as a blocker, uh, sort of gets manhandled, too. He doesn't have that physicality that I know that Lafleur looks for in a tight end. 
he's got the hands and he can get open. Kind of reminds me a little bit of obviously not at the same tier caliber of Travis Kelsey, but when he's in, you look at his highlights and I can see why he got drafted in the third round. Let's see, let's mm. see what happens. But you hit it right on the head. Uh, that blessing in disguise getting suspended because I do think that our when we entertain the idea of Jay Sternberger getting cut, that was before uh, he, he was announced that he was going to be suspended, and now that sort of um, gives him some breathing room for a, a, a little bit of the time being. Moving on, this is this will be as we wrap up the first half with o- offensive line. We're going to embed also a fan question. But for offensive linemen, this will be the largest group that we all keep. But who are you keeping for offensive linemen on this 53-man roster? All right. So, so far, we've, I think we've agreed across the line. I'm thinking that maybe this is where we start separating. I think so. I think this will be the group. Okay. So, I'll start off by saying I'm keeping 10. Same. Okay. And those 10 names, so I've got David Bakhtiari, Elton Jenkins, Josh Myers, Royce Newman, Mm -hmm. Billy Turner. Those are my preferred five starters in mm-hmm. order. Bakhtiari, along the yeah. line, from left to right. Bakhtiari, Jenkins, Myers, Newman, and Turner. So two rookies. And then I got the five kind of primary backups. Dennis Kelly, yeah. the veteran. Interesting. Uh, John Runyon, the... Um, second-year rookie. Draft pick. Yeah, second-year pick from last year. Uh, Yosh Nyman. Ben Braden. Mr. Fifth, 54th man from last year who had up was up and down on the active roster several times. And then the another draft pick, Cole Van Lannen, rounding out the 10th spot. And so the reason I went with 10 is I don't think David Bakhtiari is going to be ready to go week one. I don't think they want to put him on the pup list, where if he starts on the pup list, that means he's gone for at least six weeks. I don't know if he's six weeks out. He's somewhere but probably between one and six in that range. So it lends the ability for the Packers to keep him just inactive for a few weeks, put him on injured reserve maybe on the second day, which then allows them to bring him back after missing three weeks during the season. They can't do any of these. If they put him on IR right away with the initial 53, that means the season's done. So they don't want to do that. So I, I gave him one extra body to kind of hedge against that injury there. Another name you didn't hear is Lucas Patrick. Right, right. And this is a guy who I've been, like, I'm probably alone on this hill, but the Packers have get, had a million opportunities to like keep Patrick around long-term. But I look at what they've done. They've drafted six interior offensive linemen the past two years. They've brought in countless other undrafted interior offensive linemen of all the veterans that could save significant money by doing a restructure. Lucas Patrick was the only one who was not touched every other veteran with again, significant money that wasn't on a rookie deal was modified in some way to free up cap space. The number one position of, you know, um, for competition all season was that starting guard spot. Right. It's going down to the wire. I'm just thinking that the Packers are trying to find a way to move on. Um, There must be something there. So I'm probably alone on this hill. I've thought it since about March and April, and nothing that's happened since has convinced me otherwise, um, other than the fact that he's still getting reps with the ones in practice on a rotational basis. But that's my kind of surprise that I've embedded in this. So a cut 
or a trade worked out for a needy team at on a, the offensive line. You've been talking about this for a while, and that's it definitely was percolating in my head when I was creating my 53-man roster prediction. Um, I do have Lucas Patrick on here, but I, I, I've kept 10. Um, just looking at Lucas Patrick, his depth, his versatility, Bakhtiari's injury, they, they provide that flexibility. But your thoughts, your argument, they're valid. I would not be surprised in the very least if he gets cut, if he gets traded, uh, what have you. I do have the Packers keeping 10 with Bakhtiari, Jenkins, Billy Turner, Josh Myers, Lucas Patrick, Royce Newman, John Runyon Jr., Ben Braden, Yash Nyman, and then I have Cole Van Lannan. I did not keep Dennis Kelly just for the whole okay. injury talk. I don't know if he's going to be on the, the injured reserve or or what have you, but the last couple of days they've been talking about his his injury. I haven't seen anything. I've been was sort of trying to research before we recorded just that whole injury thing when we I mean we signed him what in July. Right. The whole injury, even though he does provide some depth and some versatility, he was the guy that I had cut off. The reason why I have Cole Van Landen being a six round draft pick from this year, uh, the only time that Brian Gutekunst didn't keep a draft pick on the roster in the initial fifty three man roster was last year with Jake Hansen. Outside of that, he's always kept um, every draft pick on the 53-man roster. And so I look at how he covets his draft mm. picks, um, which is why Cole Van Lannan is there, even though he has struggled. Um, but him being a six-round draft pick, I do think that that leads precedence for him making the 53-man roster and then possibly looking at getting an offensive lineman or two to sneak onto the practice squad. But that's the reason why I went with Van Lannan. Um, if Dennis Kelly wasn't hurt, then we would have had an interesting uh, discussion on do they keep 11 or does Van Lannan not make it. But Ben Braden deserves it. Yash Nyman finally uh, shown what he can provide. Uh, the thing that I wanted to share, probably the biggest surprise out of training camp, at least for me, is Royce Newman, a fourth-round draft pick from Ole, Ole oh, Miss. Yeah. He, I mean, he hasn't given up a pressure in over 42 pass block opportunities. Through Saturday's game, he was the highest graded among all NFL offensive linemen in the preseason. You're starting to look at the Packers probably getting another mid-round steal for that offensive lineman. He's going to be starting week one. Crazy to think that you're going to have two rookies come in. What luck that Gutekunst has had to replace Corey Lindsley with uh, Josh Myers at center and then also getting another rookie fourth-round draft pick to start on the line while David Bakhtiari rehabs that ACL injury. You don't have to put Elton Jenkins in at center. Uh, you can put him out at tackle. You don't have to put him at guard. They've got a lot of options now because of the fact of Josh Myers and Royce Newman. Um, you answered a DM Reese 2011's question on what do you think is going to happen with Bakhtiari. I think the same thing. I think he he makes the 53-man roster, and then possibly they put him on the IRC. So he's only gone for three weeks. I do not see him being on the physically unable to perform list, so I do think that he makes that 53-man roster. To answer that question, any last comments before we bid adieu for the first half? Yeah, one last comment. One last comment. I look at this offensive line and just, you know, I'm looking at the names and I just think, again, with Gutekunst's draft, you look at, <laughs> like, your week one starting offensive line from left to right could be Jenkins, uh, Runyon, Myers, Newman, and Turner. And All those are four. Four of those would be draft picks in the past three years. And one would be Billy Turner coming in from free agency as a signing also within that three-year time period. Mm. 
just an amazing job of being able to acquire talent and keep, you know, and, and be able to replace guys like a Bulaga, like a Lindsley, like a Lane Taylor. In a blink of an eye. Um, yeah, it, it just happened. It's crazy. <laughs> so, Well, yeah. we're back here for another half of 53 on Tap. Enjoy the commercial break. Be right back after this. Go Pack Go. This episode is brought to you by Sonic Transformation. Check us out at www.sonictransformation.com. Sonic Transformation, your sound refined. Go, Pat, go! And we are back with the second half of 53 on tap. We're going to get right into it, and we're going to start off with the defensive line group. Uh, this has been an, this was another positional group that I had a tough time trying to figure out. I actually ended up going with six. I know that if you look at other 53-man roster predictions, I think the lucky number's been five if you go across the board with all the other beat reporters and other um, prognosticators when it comes to the 53-man roster. But I've got Kenny Clark, King, Kingsley Kiki, Dean Lowry, fifth-round draft pick, the first fifth-round draft pick, TJ Slayton. I have Tyler Lancaster, who's been a popular cut. And then I have the undrafted free agent Darling from Iowa, Jack Heflin, making it. I do not think that he slides into the practice squad. I think he gets scooped up. I love his motor. I love his tenacity. I love his character. He just seems like a Green Bay Packers player. He deserves to be on this 53-man roster. I think he's only going to get better. But I, I, I struggled with this positional group, but I ended up keeping six. Man, I thought I had you here, but I also kept six, mm. and I kept the same six. Nice. Um, I feel a lot better fair, now. Yeah, for the same reasons. Um, obviously, you've got Kenny Dean, Kiki, and TJ Slayton, who have kind of made them their names for themselves, right, as kind of those four locks. Lancaster, to your point, has been that popular moving on from guy, but he's just a consistent game-in, game-out mm-hmm. type of player. You know, Heflin, I think, is talented enough to where they don't want to risk losing him as a, as a prospect, as a as a player who can grow and contribute down the line for the Packers. But maybe he just isn't going to be ready to go game one right. and be relied on uh, week one. So I can see him as kind of that stash, right? Kind of that almost every game inactive, unless there's an injury type of scenario. And they're going to want to rely on a Lancaster still to kind of fill out that that group. Not very expensive. I know that there's talk that you can save a few dollars in the cap, but for a guy like Lancaster, it's that's kind of pennies. But again, it's the Packers. They did some. They did a move for like eight hundred thousand dollars um, restructure. So who knows? But yeah, same six. And I'm really excited to your point to see what Hefler can do. It's it's been a while since I've been like really excited uh, for just defensive line. It seems like Kenny Clark has needed help right. for years and years and years. But now we've got some new names, Kiki, Slayton, Heflin, that uh, could maybe be those reinforcements we've been hoping for. I agree. And uh, we've said this time and time again on the episode or on the podcast, you you win in the trenches and you're looking at this offensive line and now you're looking at this D-line. Uh, again, Brian Gutekunst swinging for the fences and striking gold possibly with uh, TJ Slayton, very athletic defensive lineman. Um, don't know how he was a fifth-round draft pick. He's also been a darling throughout training camp. Excited to see that type of athleticism and pair him up 
with uh, Kenny Clark, expecting big things from Kiki as well. Lowry and Lancaster do all the little things, and I'm with you. I think Heflin is that that stash doesn't make it to the practice squad because of just the camp that he's had and uh, a developmental type of guy. This is where things get interesting now. Um, I'm thinking maybe we'll have a little bit of variance. Who do you have for your offensive linebacker group? For from an out, outside linebacker or inside linebacker? Outside linebacker. Outside linebacker. I have four. Same. So that's okay. Um, I've got the two Smiths, obviously, Zadarius and Preston and Gary. And I've got Garvin. Um, I have the, same with the draft pick from. I'm going from the, with the draft pick from last year. I just haven't seen I, I haven't seen enough to convince me otherwise that the, that they'd want to move on or make that change. I know Chauncey Rivers right. is is a name that um, kind of flashed and impressed, but then also had some disappointing moments on film with some missed tackles as well. But always seems to have a nose for the ball. That fourth edge spot, I think, really is, it could be a coin flip. Um, I feel good about Garvin, but I wouldn't be surprised at all if they were to keep four and Garvin's name is not on the list, or if they even went with five hmm. and added one more, one more, I think, and maybe I'm tipping my hand a little bit when we get to the inside linebackers, but you know, I, I, I could see, I don't see him keeping five at both linebacker spots for a total of 10. Mm-hmm. Um, I think nine is kind of that sweet spot magic number. And so I think the edge goes a little bit light. I have four as well. This was pretty I mean, Garvin was one of those, does he belong on the 53? I think what Mike Smith said uh, about Jonathan Garvin, Mike Smith, linebacker's coach, really, really likes Jonathan Garvin. And I think when you have a coach sort of echo accolades or optimism, I think that really bodes well for Jonathan Garland. I think this is an opportunity for him to have another developmental year or take the next step. I think last year was a developmental year. You look at COVID, did he get an opportunity um, I like this linebacker group. I think Mike Smith and I think hopefully Joe Barry can possibly get Garvin to contribute more. But yep, I've got four outside linebackers and maybe this is where things get interesting too, but you did tip your hand a little bit. I'll tip my hand. Actually, I'll reveal my whole hand when it comes to inside linebacker position. I've got five as well. I've got Chris Barnes. I've got Campbell. Oren Burks was a guy that I thought that might get cut, but his special teams, his also play allows him um, to be saved. And on this 53-man roster, Ty Summers as well. Special teams provides depth. Uh, The surprise I like is uh, Isaiah McDuffie. He really performed well in the Buffalo Bills game. I really like that oomph, that that thumper. I I didn't know that he had that in him. But here's another late-round draft pick, six-round draft pick that is going to make this 53-man roster, I believe, and and possibly contribute. Um, there was a lot of exciting talk about McDuffie. You can see why in that preseason game. Uh, open field tackling, and we've known that tackling has been a huge issue in this training camp. It's been a huge issue for Packer fans in general. Um, what McDuffie did against the Bills excites me. Open field tackling from the linebacker, but again, you look at not too long ago, we were really wondering what this inside linebacker position would look like, and now you're looking at Chris Barnes, Campbell, and then some solid depth, but I've got five at the inside linebacker position. And we, we are in sync again, Bryce. Um, it's going to be a boring so episode. Far, <laughs> People right, are like tuning right. in for some juice. and Some juice, ah, you know, they're all cut. No, um, <laughs> yeah, I got the same, the same five. Yep. 
you know, I I was I thought that there was a chance that we would both see or that we'd see both Burks and Summers off this roster this year. Same. But Burks is someone who appears to be kind of taking kind of a new, more aggressive role in this defense. You saw him especially in that first preseason game in the backfield a lot from the inside linebacker position, and it was crazy to see Burks just flashing. Um, something I think Packer fans are hoping to see now for a few seasons now. And Summers, mm-hmm. um, I think. Uh, the, I think the surprise here is from a few weeks ago where Kamal Martin's name's not. Right. You know, how the mighty have fallen. You, you talk about the reason why last year, if you remember, the media wasn't allowed to talk about who was running with the ones and twos was because Kamal Martin was running with the ones. Right. And they didn't want that to be known. That's kind of when, like, Gutekunst and kind of cracked down on the media because mm-hmm. uh, seeing that type of lineup they didn't want that that hand to be tipped if you will right without a preseason how quickly that's changed and so yeah and how quickly that changed chris barnes who was cut didn't even make the initial 53-man roster and was a practice squad stash and call up and devondre campbell coming in from the outside are kind of your number one and two kind of a shakeup here mm-hmm. with some of the familiar names as backups but yeah mcduffie's one of those guys i believe played himself onto this roster he needed that third preseason game fighting through injury um, I think they kept him out on the field a long time to get a nice, fair, long look at what he could do. And I think he delivered. I agree. Enough similar to like a Heflin where, you know, maybe not ready to go day one um, in a significant role, but definitely something you you love to see what he was able to show and can hopefully develop into a solid player down the line. Beautifully said. I'm, I'm with you on that. I think this inside linebacker position is exciting to look at. Uh, and Devondre Campbell, I think he brings that veteran presence. Um, you've got some special teamers. And uh, McDuffie, he's a guy that I'm going to continue to keep my eye on. I really liked what I saw in that preseason game. Say what you will with preseason, but open field tackling and laying down a, a thump of a hit gets my attention. So I'd like to see if he can continue on, and maybe we'll see him uh, some – important reps during the season we shall see and now cornerback moving to the cornerback position what cornerbacks are you keeping ken okay let's see if we can uh, diversify here i have six i'll say All that right, right away now we've we've diversified i've got five okay so uh i've got jair obviously i do have kevin king as the number two mm-hmm. uh, i know that there's a little bit of a back and forth between eric stokes and king i think it's king's job until it's not his job uh, then I got Stokes, Chandon Sullivan, kind of being that starting slot star cornerback. Mm-hmm. Um, Shamir uh, Jean Charles, another draft pick. Again, this is now every draft pick of all nine I have making the roster. And then for my sixth spot, I do have Kevin Ento wow. making it. This is a guy, Ento, that if you remember a year ago, made the initial 53-man roster as a converted wide receiver into cornerback on day one, but then was placed on that temporary injured reserve with the hopes that they can bring him back during the season. Unfortunately, he remained injured the entire year, and they weren't able to bring him back. I felt like he had the inside track this entire season, and he really flashed in that first preseason game. He kind of had some hiccups the further on we go. But from a development developmental player, um, someone I he's someone I think that they really like mm-hmm. and kind of has a nose for the ball, and you know there are much worse options on your roster for a sixth cornerback than a guy that 
has been in your system now for two years and you had high hopes, you know, as a converted player in his first season. Yeah, I'm with you. I thought about KB and Ento and I know Andy Herman has been talking about Ento all training camp and what he's seen and saying that he's going to make the team regardless. When you talk about like the play of Jack Heflin and Isaiah McDuffie in the in the Buffalo Bills game, even Malik Taylor, uh, that was the reason why I felt like they made the team. This is another reason why I didn't have Ento making the team. I just watching him play and whiff on tackling is just something that has traumatized me. I, I felt like, granted, he's a developmental type of player. Um, he hasn't had a lot of game time opportunities. But just when you look at the 53-man roster and you're selecting your best 53, I have a hard time looking at Ento and saying, yes, he belongs on this 53 from a skill level. Granted, he's shown in in practice. Um, he had a good first uh, preseason game. The Bills game just I, it, it concerned me. And, it's sticking with you. And I think when you're making your roster cuts, the Packers have to look at his performance and say, okay, is he – someone that can continue to develop, or is this what we have? But I will say he's a popular pick to make the 53-man roster when you're looking at all the beat reporters and all the prognosticators. Andy Herman talking about how KB Anento has been a, you know one of the best players. Guy's got a nose for the football. Uh, he was great in the joint practices against the Jets. I felt compelled to. I just I picked Lancaster over KB Anento, and maybe okay. keeping five, that's a big concern. Um, moving forward, uh, we shall see. But that was my reasoning, is I just could not put Ento on there based off of the performance against the Bills game. I've been a fan. I've been a fan of Ento as well. I believe Andy Herman and I are kind of in that same camp. Back when I did my way too early prediction, I had him on. I had him making the roster. Um, even back then, even over a guy like Josh Jackson mm-hmm. I, um, and Holman, Kadar Holman, who are now have been traded away, yep. both of them. You know... <sighs> You know, you talk about having five corners. That does make me a little nervous. Same. And I think they just need a body. And if the best of the rest, you know, Yidam is someone that's they brought in what from the Giants in that Josh yep. Jackson trade. Hopefully that change of scenery type of transaction. And so far it doesn't look very he was promising, another reason. like it's gonna pay off. He was in- right. I think I think it, that Josh Jackson and Yidam trade is going to be one of those situations where each team's like, "Hey, cut this guy for me," <laughs> yeah. and it it's just kind of is what it is. Um, I'm with you, but yeah, we'll see. That I wouldn't be surprised. You know, again, we talked. Um, I talked earlier about you know a guy that wouldn't surprise me, like with the Garvin. Uh, Ento is another one of those names where if he's on the if he's on the list, great. I predicted it. If he's not, I wouldn't be you know overly surprised to not see that name either. Same. And I'm not like thrilled that I'm keeping five cornerbacks, but just looking at when I was creating this 53 man roster, that is where I I, I fell. I thought about KB and Ento, and uh, also with Isaac Yidem, I just his play too. I thought was atrocious. I, and so for me, I'm like, okay, you trade, and now he makes the 53-man roster when Gudukunz and Lafleur have talked about the fifth, be, the, the best 53 will make this team. I do think that Ento could possibly make it based off of um, how he's played in practice as well as those joint practices. But when you're on the on the field, those whiffed tackles are just I, – I don't want to see that, and I, I just wonder moving forward because you got to hit on Joe Barry. He's got to be your guy. And this defense has to, this defense has to contribute. So I wonder what will happen 
with that. I do think that the uh, Packers probably keep six cornerbacks, but for mine, I kept five. But anyway, we've got two spots before we wrap up with one last fan question. For the safety position, I'm also keeping five. I know Will Redmond probably would have made the team. He was a guy that I never was super high on. I know that he was a special teams wunderkind, and uh, Lafleur spoke uh, positive reviews about him as well. He's obviously um, injured, so he won't be on this 53-man roster. But I have Adrian Amos, Darnell Savage, Vernon Scott, Henry Black, and my surprise, I've got Christian Upoff. He was a guy that I had... Um, in my initial uh, pre-53 man roster, undrafted free agent coming out uh, of this year from Illinois State, I believe, if my memory um, serves me correctly. But I like what Uphoff can bring, and he's the replacing that six cornerback that I didn't keep. So Uphoff, even though during game time, during film, probably hasn't shown everything that he can possibly unveil, but I do think that uh, there's a lot of potential there. I think the Packers like him. He's got that size. He's got that speed. Um, He provides depth for that safety position, and also maybe he provides depth since uh, I'm only keeping five cornerbacks. But Christian Uphoff is probably my biggest surprise next to Jack Heflin, but I also noticed that Christian Uphoff has been a popular keep uh, Mm -hmm. across the board as well. Okay. So this is where I got a little spicy. Um, I'm keeping four. Okay. And I've got Amos, Savage, Scott, and Black. Okay. So Uphoff is not on my list for the first time since like June. Yeah, I was going to say he was your boy um, too. He was my boy. He was my only undrafted free agent making the, the squad. I've liked that number five with safety. I think I, at one point I even had six for a short period of time with Redmond. Then I took him off. I took Uphoff off. Because I, it goes back to our offensive line discussion. I think that there's a good possibility that David Bakhtiari goes on that injured reserve on day two mm-hmm. so that he would be gone for three weeks instead of the six if he stayed on pup. In order to do that, so I think I think Uphoff and Gaines mm. are kind of like those two like safeties that, yep, that have that potential to maybe be that fifth spot. I don't think either one of them did enough to like land themselves as a guaranteed uncuttable spot like Heflin, right? Heflin's a guy who made a name for himself. He was disruptive in the backfield, um, creating pressure, getting some uh, hands on the quarterback. Those type of players will get plucked off of waivers very quickly. I think the Packers would be okay with keeping those 10 offensive linemen, putting Bakhtiari on, on IR, and then on day two needing another spot to replace them, and then being happy with, up off getting through waivers or gains mm-hmm. um, my you know my hope you know if i had a 54th spot it'd be up off here penciled in but it's kind of that one's in you know pencil underneath everything that assuming bakhtiari goes to ir up off gets that nod so i'm different than you but not really yeah not much um diversity with all of us uh we got a little bit of change with the cornerback and that safety group but overall we pretty much have the same roster as we wrap up 53 on tap. We have our special teams. I've got three. I've got Crosby, Hunter Bradley, and J.K. Scott. However, answering one of the fan questions from at Mike underscore Kirking 2022, could you see the Packers signing someone outside of the team? I think Bradley makes the roster, the 53, and then they look elsewhere and try to 
they cut him and then they bring in another long snapper. I wouldn't be surprised with J.K. Scott as well. Crosby is the only uh, lock, but that long snapper position and also J.K. Scott, I could see both of those being swapped after the 53-man rosters. Rosters have been announced. Not much other than I can say I fully agree. It's those three names. Those are the three names that we really have. And punter and long snapper, you know, J.K. Scott and Bradley, they could be the long-term solution or they could just be initial placeholders until someone else better comes along. And it's unfortunately the best way to put that. I'm with you. I'm trying to just check real quick on who that... I can't even think of it. Uh, the Chargers just released a long snapper. I think it's Cole Marzara that uh, I was just seeing. And mentioned Andy Herman again, but I just saw his 53-man roster, and he talked about how they would future long snapper. I think Cole Marzara mm-hmm. is his name, but that is yeah, that is the yeah. He was released, or no? Yeah. Sorry, yeah, he was cut, yeah. but with an injured designation. Mm-hmm. So that makes it a little bit spicy. It's like okay, he's got a problem. Do the Packers really want to put a mm-hmm. waiver claim in on him? Because that comes with that waiver claim comes, I believe, a they need to be on your active roster for X amount of weeks after that like initial cut hmm. cut down. So they might not need to do additional homework to make sure that that uh, injury would be something that Packers would be comfortable with. Well, stay tuned. I think that's where things get exciting if the Packers sign someone outside of the team. Punter and long snapper are the two positions that that I'm looking at. But there you have it. Big Bad Ken Ingles and Bryce Christensen with the 53-man roster, the Unknown Packers podcast version. I'll be honest, I this was probably the first year that I didn't do as much research. Or Usually we've been recording episodes week in, week out. Had a lot of stuff going on in our personal lives, which is why we had the hiatus. Also, um, my work with the Bucks was overwhelming too, in, in a good way, but just didn't have the opportunity. So thrilled to get back here and chat Packers with you. I look forward to week in, week out, moving forward once the the regular season hits where we uh, record an episode about our Green Bay Packers. But thank you, everyone, for your patience. And thank you so much for for tuning in and supporting the Unknown Packers podcast. As we bid adieu, I've got one last question. And almost like just in one minute, tell me, what you're thinking, Ken, but at Curd Sports says this, do either of you think teams will use NFL's COVID-19 exemption list to stash players away as they transition to the 53? Tis the season we're talking about vaccinated players, unvaccinated players, and now this COVID-19 exemption list. I'm going to be completely honest. I, I don't know much about this COVID-19 exemption list. So Ken, I'm hoping that you can enlighten me and educate me as well. Yeah, I'm not when I, I hear COVID-19 exemption list, I'm I'm not familiar with a list outside of like the COVID reserve. Like if a player gets COVID, then it's kind of like an injured reserve where they don't count against the 53 and they're on that until depending on your status, vaccinated or unvaccinated, you have to, you know, show no symptoms, you know, be negative tests for X amount of days and you can come back. I'm not aware of a like special side list or anything else. So, you know, I don't I don't think players are going to be able to or I don't think teams are going to be able to, you know, play fast and loose with the COVID list. Um I think those are going to be strictly medical diagnosis and player well-being and safety decisions. That being said, I know things can get a little spicy with how they treat in- injured reserve especially now that there's unlimited return from injured players um, during the 
last year and this season with the COVID rules in place. But yeah, I, I'm not I'm not familiar with another list. Um, you know, if that changes, I'll be sure to make a comment on our next episode. But I'm not I'm with you, Bryce. I didn't hear of a separate kind of like exemption stash list that might be available. So looking at this and this this information could have changed, but from last year you had the exempt commissioner permission list. So a player who tests positive for COVID nineteen even more flexibility will apply. A player with a confirmed diagnosis will be placed on the exemption or exempt commissioner permission list. Once the player is medically cleared, the team will be eligible for a roster exemption. A player who is on the exempt slash commissioner um, permission list for less than four weeks will get a one-week roster exemption. If the if the player is the one the list for four weeks or more, it becomes a two-week exemption. In other words, players who test positive for COVID-19 won't be required to miss at least three weeks. They will not be placed on IR or NFI, but the commissioner exempt list, a designation that has become known in recent years for the placement of players facing off-field allegations of misconduct. There is no minimum or maximum stay on the commissioner exemplist. So I'm thinking that's what he's referring to in terms of the Packers. Uh, I don't know if that applies at all, but for teams, uh, I wouldn't be surprised if you're looking at like what the Tennessee Titans did last year. Um, you're looking at other teams that might have a lot of unvaccinated players or might not be as strict when it comes to uh, the protocols like the Green Bay Packers were. Um, again, I think that what they had place in place last year, I mean, you saw what, what happened. We were uh, one game away from the Super Bowl. I think with the Packers, we're sort of in good hands. They take this thing seriously. I wouldn't be surprised. Mm-hmm. To, I, I would be shocked if there was some sort of controversy or COVID-19 outbreak. I hope not, but I would be surprised if the Packers were to have that. I know last year when we brought in the offensive lineman is uh, – um, escaping me, but from the Indianapolis Colts. Veldir. What's that? That was Veldir. Veldir. That was where that you got that first scare of like, oh man, like, is this going to ruin our chances? And so, yeah, they 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 signed Veldir and then immediately tested uh, positive for COVID after it was in the building. And they didn't they didn't and mess around. That, that, I mean, yeah, that was before. Not they had the first round by, yeah. so the second playoff game, you're like, oh man, like, is there going to be something that pops up? But you know, as as we go through this second, you know, year with COVID being a thing and being around, yeah, you know, I, I I expect to see players both vaccinated and unvaccinated be placed on the COVID list. It's gonna be a thing. You could even if you're vaccinated, you're finding that you can still test positive for COVID, mm-hmm. even with the vaccine. So we're gonna see some of that. We're gonna see close contacts with confirmed cases as well and the league has different rules in place for that, whether you're vaccinated or unvaccinated. It's going to be a roller coaster still. We're not out of the woods yet by any means. And knock on wood or whatever you got to do to hope that, uh, you know, the Packers, mo- they didn't, they weren't unscathed last year, but um, they were, they were one of the luckier teams not having to deal with a, a widespread outbreak. And let's just, you know, continue to hope that not just for our team, but across, you know, across the league and everyone listening that, uh, COVID doesn't uh, impact anyone negatively, if possible. Beautifully said. I completely agree. I hope everyone stays safe and healthy. Once again, thank you so much for tuning in to 53 on tap. Cannot wait to start in-season episodes with big, bad Ken Ingles, my brother from another mother. But there you have it. We'll be back again. Go Pack Go. I'm your co-host, Bryce Christensen. And I'm Ken Ingles. And this is the Unknown Packers Podcast. 
Thank you so much for following the Unknown Packers podcast. You can follow us on Twitter at Unknown Packers, as well as Facebook, Instagram, the Unknown Packers podcast. You can check us out on our website, theunknownpackers.com, and a variety of different podcast platforms as well. You can also say, hey, Alexa, play the Unknown Packers podcast. That's right. We're friends with Alexa. Go Pack Go. This podcast was edited and produced by Sonic Transformation. Sonic Transformation. Your sound, refined.